This is Software Engineering Radio, the podcast for professional developers, on the web at se-radio.net. SE Radio brings you relevant and detailed discussions of software engineering topics at least once a month. SE Radio is brought to you by IEEE Software Magazine, online at computer.org slash software. Hi, this is Stefan Tilka for Software Engineering Radio. Today I'm sitting down with Michael Nygaard. Michael is widely known for his presentations and writings about software and system architecture as a contributor to the books Beautiful Architecture and 97 Things Every Architect Should Know, and probably most notably for his phenomenal book Release It, which was the topic of episode 134 of this podcast. These days, Michael works as an architect at Cognitech. Our topic today is closure in practice, and we'll take a look at how this Lisp-like language is being used in real-world projects. So, Mike, welcome to the show. I'm really happy to have you with us here. Most of our listeners know you from your work in the areas of architecture and, and stability patterns and resilient systems, but today we're going to talk about closure. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how you got into the closure world and what interested you? Absolutely. Um It started around 2007, I think. I had been working in Java for a long time, since 1995, and was, uh, like a lot of people, I think, beginning to feel a little stagnant with Java the language, but uh, reluctant to discard Java the ecosystem and all the libraries and the vast amounts of code that were available. So I started looking at some of the JVM languages, and first I went to Scala, Uh, I was attracted by the Parser Combinator library in Scala, and uh, it, it was a, a completely new way of writing parsers to me. So I moved into Scala and uh, worked in that for about two years when I saw Stu Halloway give a presentation on Clojure. And at that time, it, it absolutely floored me. You know, like many people, I'd been exposed to Lisp before and sort of had this feeling that, you know, it was a nice academic thing, but not something a, a programmer used in the real world. And Stu showed me that indeed it, it could be a real world language. And uh, I, I pretty much immediately dropped Scala and started moving into Clojure. Okay. Maybe before we start talking about in more detail about uh, about Clojure, uh, what, was it, what was it actually that frustrated you with, with Scala? Because I know many people like Scala and are very happy with the language. It wasn't so much that I was frustrated with Scala, uh, although I certainly did feel like I had not mastered the type system well enough to make it work for me. I was working for it. But it was more that the clean expression of ideas in Clojure appealed to me. So it was a move toward, not a move away. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. So can you give uh, those of our listeners who know nothing about Clojure a brief introduction? Certainly. Uh, as I mentioned, it's a Lisp, uh, so it's in the family of parenthesis delimited languages rather than curly brace delimited. That's the most obvious thing on the surface. What it really provides under the covers, though, is a language and a library that strongly favors immutable data structures and very uh, precise control over how you manage your state. And so uh, it makes a nice language for building multi-threaded applications. Uh, and in general, there are uh, all kinds of concerns about uh, mutation that you run into in a 
a typical OO program that you simply don't have with Clojure. If I have a map, I can rely on changing that map in whatever way necessary because I'm only changing successive copies of the map uh, and whoever gave me the original map can continue using their copy of it and so forth. Uh, and so it, it really makes a lot of things simpler to implement that way. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a bit about how Clojure achieves efficiency with that with that uh, restriction? Yeah, definitely. Uh, the first thing that you would think of with that amount of copying going on is, oh my God, the garbage collector, uh, you, you're going to be creating a lot of garbage. And that's partially true, but Clojure's data structures are based on what people call persistent data structures, not persistent in, in the sense of being persisted to disk, but the idea that uh, there's a lot of structural sharing that goes on. So when I have something that claims to be a list, it's not strictly implemented as a linked list. It's actually implemented as a, a fairly wide tree. And when I create a copy of the list with a new item consed on to the end or appended to the end, I get back uh, a new tree root with many pointers into the old portions of the prior tree. So by the time we reach the leaf nodes, uh, almost all of the pointers are the same and they're pointing to the same items in memory. This relieves a lot of the garbage collector pressure and makes a lot of these list operations very fast. Mm -hmm. So I think you've mentioned two two differences between uh, Clojure and other languages. One is that it's actually full of uh, parents. The other one is that it actually uh, has, these, has these immutable data structures. Um, if you were to name, I don't know, one or two other key features that you consider 